there. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. So hello, Shan. Hi, Shy. How's it going? I mean, could it be better? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, it could. But here we are. <laughs> uh, here we are. Spring has sprung. It has, per my nose mm-hmm. and um, throat, mm-hmm. uh, eyeballs, mm-hmm. anything associated with the head region. Um, spring is here. Yep. So it is. Yeah, it's great. It's in full bloom. Isn't it wonderful? Mm-hmm. I love when I drive up to my house and I see my front flower bed just full of weeds. Yeah. It's so green. Yeah. It's beautiful. All the green. Because <laughs> I've been really sleeping on doing a flower bed. Yeah, we have to. It's fine. It's because it's like cold on the weekends and it's weird. I know. Every weekend it's like 50 degrees, but during the week it's 82. Yeah. Makes oh, no sense. Fuck. It's fine. Yeah. It's dumb. It is what it is, as you would say. That is my saying. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, everything is fine. Everything is great. It's going to be fine. Everything's perfect. Why do you ask? Does my face <laughs> suggest otherwise? <laughs> Maybe a little. Does my face say otherwise? Maybe a tad. Do you have anything? Because I have something. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I've talked about it on here before. You know that I've hurt my hip. Hurt my hip about, well, in September, October-ish time. Mm -hmm. Couldn't run. Haven't run. Mm -hmm. Um, Just got really down because running is very much uh, therapy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, uh, depended on those um, serotonin boosts during running, right? Well, so the other day... I'm looking through, I think it was Good News Movement um, on the Instas, and I ran across this um, news piece, and I was like, oh, it says it's from Edmond, Oklahoma. Like, Good News Movement is like all over the place, all over the place worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so I read it, and I was like, oh, I totally forgot this had happened. But have you ever been to the restaurant Moni's? Mm-mm. Okay, it is a tiny little mom and pop restaurant, Italian restaurant, way north May, um, in the Edmond area. I think it's across from Rose Creek. Oh, really north May? Really north May. Okay. The head chef and owner, her name is Rachel Foster. Her and her husband own Moni's. Mm-mm. Okay, she is the head chef. Last November, mm-hmm. so November of 2022... Her and her husband coming home from date night, I can't remember where, but they got scooters to go. Yeah, the coffee place. No, uh, the scooters, the like lime scooters. (laughs) (laughs) Those, they were riding the scooters. Sure, those too. Yeah, Yeah. obviously. I mean, not scooters coffee. What? (laughs) Um, I can't. No. 
Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Scooter's Coffee is the worst. Sorry. That is the only bad review I will give anywhere. I've never been there, so. It's, That's just what I thought you were talking about. It's bad. Anywho. Her husband, when being interviewed um, by one of the news, I think the boss, one of the Boston news companies was, she was about 20 feet in front of him on her scooter, riding the scooter. And all of a sudden he just sees her fall. And he's like, oh, well, you know, she just crashed her scooter. And he was like, I'm just going to, he just pulls up beside her and is like, hey, are you okay? Well, she doesn't respond. <gasps> oh, no. It turns out she suffered a catastrophic brain injury and 17 broken bones. From just falling? Or From what? wrecking a scooter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Catastrophic. To the point that... They, he had called in and I'm, I, I'm going to get this wrong, you guys, and I apologize, but, um, I think it was the month. I think she was in a coma for a month. Mm. They were getting ready to take her off life support. Her husband had already been in talks with donation centers Mm. and they would be coming within the next two days to harvest her organs. Okay. Mm. The day before they came to harvest those organs, mm-hmm. she woke up. She was like, not today. Yeah, she's like, no, not I'm taking my organs no, today. I, I need these kidneys. Yeah. What? Woke up. She just last week finished the Boston Marathon. Six months later, this woman finishes the Boston Marathon. Uh, yeah. Yes. I read this and was like, here I am getting down on myself that I can't run because of my hip. And she literally, they thought she was dead. Everyone, doctors, family, they were all prepared. And now she, six months later, ran the Boston Marathon. I was like, I need to just... I need to just not work like my, I'll be able to run again <laughs> if she can do it. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. <sighs> the most amazing story I think I have ever heard. That's bananas. That's yeah. insane. That's crazy town. Yeah. Six months later. Good Lord. Like she had to relearn things. Yeah. Yeah. And shh. Like, and she even said, like, that was her driving force was knowing that she was going to run the Boston Marathon. So had she already, she had already got her birth into Boston and everything like that. I believe so. Yeah. And she had ran the year before, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. And she had ran the Boston Marathon previously. previously. I don't know how many times, but I know they did say that she had run it before. So she's, she's very healthy, very athletic, like, you know. Could do it. Yeah. But that was her. Uh, It was, sorry, I had to share that because I was just like, this is the most insane. Because catastrophic brain injuries, you don't usually come out of, right? There's different level of brain injuries. I mean, I. That's insane. That's bananas. And also, too, I never want to ride a scooter. 
Dude, after Ever. I found out that, like, how many injuries and stuff happen on those scooters, I will not let my kid get on them. Every yeah. time we're downtown, she's like, I want to do the scooter. And I'm like, mm, no, we're not yeah. not doing all that. Um, Last year, when I ran the half for the memorial, that's how Ryan and Kira got around to my, like, mile points. Yeah. It was on those those goddamn scooters. Those goddamn scooters. I was scooters. like, you guys could have died. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known until I crossed the finish line. Yeah. Anyways. That's my story. That's crazy. Right? That's crazy town. Anyways, I'm like, get it, girl. Like, kudos and all the, like, yeah, full-on standing ovation for Rachel Foster for... I cannot imagine. For doing that. I cannot imagine. That's crazy. Me either. And she runs a restaurant? And she runs around. She, she is, is the head chef. truly doing the most. She is the chef and owner of this restaurant. Dang. She's yeah. doing everything. Yeah, she is. <sighs> Anyways. Wow. I, had to, I had to share. Okay. Bad bitch is getting shit done. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Love that. <laughs> I love that for her. I know. Me too. Our friend's husband got got a birth into Boston this year after trying for the last two years. What? Jamie's husband. No way. Finally got his Boston. Uh, he finally got his uh, pace to where he could get into Boston. So he's going to run Boston next year. Damn. And when she told me the last time I saw her, I cried. Because I was like, I've been yeah. on this journey with him for so long. <laughs> yeah, because he's because he marathon trained through them having a brand new baby, like taking the baby on training runs with him and stuff like that. And yeah, That's they're finally awesome. getting to go. That's so. amazing. Congrats to him. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Love it. So, okay. Are we ready for a true crime taco Tuesday? I believe so. I love that we have come up with true crime taco Tuesday. <laughs> Talking true, true crime taco Tuesday. Talking true crime taco Tuesday. <laughs> so what would the taco actually consist of? So we got the hard facts, the outer shell. Oh, <gasps> are you going really literal on this? I'm going. I just want to eat tacos and talk about true crime. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to sip my tea while you talk. <laughs> Give me tacos and tell me I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, <laughs> I just want to be literal about it. Like, let's. Okay, it's fine. The hard facts of the outer shell. The yes. meat. The meat. The meat of the, of story. the story. A sprinkling of wit and comedy humor. And comedy relief. On the toppings. And then the cheesiness of us just being like... Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> My mind is blown how You're we... Ridiculous. You know what? We need to record on mornings more often. I agree. Okay? I agree. Because our we're brains... With it. My vibance is still effective at this <gasps> time in the day. I'm proud of you. That's where we're at. I'm proud of you. Yeah. We got, that was amazing. We need to record it, trademark it, <laughs> make t-shirts. Put it on a sticker. <laughs> okay. Okay, go. Let's do true crime. I'm ready. So I'm going to do an oldie, oldie, true crime, Oklahoma. Technically unsolved, but maybe not. Okay. I feel like you've done a lot of those lately, and it's very frustrating. It plays with my emotions a lot, mm -hmm. and I don't like it. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I, res I respect your... I respect that. Okay. Okay. So, 
We are going to talk about the murder of E.C. Mullendor. I have not heard this. You have. I have? Yes. Okay. I'll remind you. All right. Okay. Yes. So, Eugene Claremont Mullendor III was born into privilege. Of course. With that name? With that name. Why wouldn't you be, right? (laughs) He was born in 1937. Hmm. Okay. And by this time, his family was already rich AF, rolling in it. Huge, huge family cattle ranch. Oh, okay. Called the Cross Bell Ranch. It was a sprawling 130,000 acres. Oh, my God. So you know how we each have like 10 acres and we're like, this is the fucking best. We are so cool. We're fucking killing it. Yep. These people had literally 100 times that much. I would never know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) A thousand times that much, I guess. So his father, Gene, who was also Eugene, but went by Gene, had inherited the property and the cattle operation from his mother. Oh, wow. So Gene the second, Gene Mullendor the second, his mother was the matriarch. She was the heir of this Damn. cattle operation and this fortune. Okay. okay. Yep. So Gene the second, which is EC's dad, and his wife Kathleen settled on the property and they built a large mansion on the property. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they did. And they had two kids. They had E.C. and Catsy, which I think was a play on Kathleen. Oh, I really like that name. Yeah, it's cute, though, right? Yeah. And for Catsy's piece of the puzzle, she would grow up and marry a man named John Meekham Jr., who was a, a wealthy businessman in his own right, and at the time owned the New Orleans Saints football team. Oh, is that all? That's all. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. That's fine. NBD. <laughs> Just a little money. Just a job. So EC stayed on the property to help with the cattle operation and, you know, just do rich air shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he eventually married his sweetheart, Linda, and they had four kids. So they also had a home on this property that was pretty close to his parents' mansion. But why would you do that? If you had 130,000 acres, like, outer corner. Because he liked to be near his parents. Oh. He needed them. Oh. He needed that support. Okay. So they literally lived a few hundred yards away from the main house, which was the mansion. All right. Let's and cut, let's cut that. Yeah. Cut the, cut you got to cut the cord eventually, but it's fine. It's it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And in 1960, so when EC is 23 years old, in 1960, Daddy Gene turns over the cattle operations to him. And he's 27, 23. 23. Mhm. I mean, I guess I couldn't even shop for my own groceries effectively at 23. I was like, shy, I need help. I know. (laughs) I I don't know. How do I do this again? (laughs) You're going to definitely need milk, bread, and eggs. For sure. For everything. For sure. (laughs) 
So that was in 1960. He gets the cattle and ranch operations turned over to him. In 10 short years, EC ran up debts on the ranch to the tune of over $12 million. And how many years? 10. <laughs> and these, to, to be fair, a lot of this debt was like infrastructure and developing the land and developing the cattle operation and stuff like that. But some of those ventures didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So it wound up costing them a lot more than they made. Right? Yeah. So he has $12 million in debt in 1970. And at that point, Linda is like, fuck this, I'm out. I'm mm-hmm. over it. Because mm-hmm. apparently he he liked to drink a lot, too. Oh. Apparently he wasn't like a rowdy drunk or a, a mean drunk. He just liked his drink. And mm-hmm. he had all this debt. So he was really stressed out. And he was drinking a lot. Yeah. So Linda takes the kids she moves to Tulsa, and Linda intended to quickly divorce him because of the alcohol and because um, some of these activities where he was getting into debt were alleged to be because he was working with Kansas City and St. Louis professionals. Oh. Yeah. Those professionals. Mm-hmm. Professionals in quotes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. We've discussed Kansas City professionals before. Yes. And this is in Osage County. It's in the exact same area. Oh, hell. Yeah. So, any who's it. The night of September 26th, 1970, E.C. Mullendore is found beaten and shot between the eyes in his home on the Bellcross Ranch. Holy shit. Yeah. In addition to EC being found dead, essentially, his bodyguard, a guy named Damon Chubb Anderson, <laughs> was shot in the shoulder during the kerfuffle. Oh. Okay. Yeah. We've heard cases like that before, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the bodyguard says he was upstairs drawing himself a bath, <laughs> as one does, mm-hmm. when he heard one shot. And let me be abundantly clear about who this bodyguard is. He's like a family friend, a confidant, bodyguard, uh worker B in conjunction with E.C. Mullendore. And he lives on the ranch. Okay. Okay. So he says he's upstairs drawing a bath when he hears one shot. So he runs downstairs, exchanges gunfire with two men who fled the scene, and that is when he gets shot in the shoulder. Okay? Okay. So everybody's like, cool, cool, no doubt, no doubt. Love this for you. Perfect. That sounds correct. That sounds right. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the cops are called. Mom and dad are woken up in their mansion. Linda is called in Tulsa. Um, It's a big deal. This family is extremely powerful and extremely rich in Osage County. 
-hmm. It is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's one of the very serious issues from the beginning with this investigation. The police basically let every Tom, Dick, and Harry run through that crime scene. And they're just kind of like, yeah, come, come one, come all, check it out. Yeah, you got to see this giant, Take a look. this giant house where this guy was killed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you know, when you're in like a rural area and people start hearing about a crime or anything, there's a lot of looky-loos and oh, yeah. everything like that. So, 100%. They also allowed EC's body to be removed and embalmed before an autopsy could ever be performed. <sighs> Was this in the 70s? Mm-hmm. What the hell? Literally 1970. So by the time Linda gets on the scene, because they're not divorced yet, she's still married to him. Linda's like, mm, no. Not just no, but hell no. This mm-hmm. is not, no. Because she's already seeing, like, all the shit that they're doing is going to cause the case to never be solved. Right. And she's afraid for her life. Because her husband has been murdered, ostensibly, by two men who entered his home, right? Mm -hmm. So, Linda has her personal attorney reach out to a private investigator in the Tulsa area area, who can act as security for her and her children. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, he's not only a PI, he's also muscle for the family. Okay. And... They bring this P.I. onto the Crossbell Ranch, and the P.I. is like, uh, something ain't right, right? Like, he's observing, and he's getting the feeling that E.C. Mullendore really liked this flashy, upscale lifestyle because everything was, like, gold-plated, you know? Dallas in the 1970s. You know what I mean? They were very extra. So extra, doing the most. Got it. Doing the absolute most. We got it. And every aspect of this ranch was just like the newest, the best, everything. It just like oozed money. Okay. So the PI was also kind of gathering information on what was going on with EC's current financial situation. Mm-hmm. He's like, this guy's in debt. He's rumored to be working with professionals of the Kansas City and St. Louis variety. And he's taking out loans. But some of them were loans from people connected to organized crime. So this PI's like oh, shit, there could really be some danger for Linda and the kids, right? Yeah. He's, like, gathering all this information. He's kind of looking around at the crime scene. And then he starts talking to old Chubb. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, let's not call him old Chubb. (laughs) I'm going to call him old Chubb. (laughs) He's kind of like, I sort of feel like maybe Chubb is involved. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The family, and mainly Linda, because she's mm, she's still married to him. She's most mostly his beneficiary. She's mostly intent on getting the insurance company to pay out on his $16 million life insurance policy. So they can take care of these debts. Yeah. And be free and clear from these debts. Right. And not have the good name of the, the ranch and the family be smirched by his... Less than frugal spending habits, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. 
eventually Linda gets all that squared away and they pay out like $8 million of his insurance policy. Even though his murder case was really never resolved. Okay? Mm-hmm. Which is curious to me. But she had to sue them in order to get all that done. And the ranch had to declare bankruptcy on some of the assets that they held. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was a lot going on in the background. There's a lot of financial stuff going on in the background. All the while, this PI is unofficially investigating this death while he's acting as personal security for the family. Linda's kind of like, I don't really need you to be around anymore because we don't really feel like there's like if somebody was going to kill us they would have already done it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and we're getting all this stuff settled with the insurance company so you're like not really necessary anymore you know what i mean Mm -hmm. this pi his name is gary glanz g-l-a-n-z over all this time and we're talking years and years and years it's not just like three weeks and done Years and years and years. This PI becomes really friendly with old Chubb. And him and Chubb have this rapport where they can talk to each other. And Chubb is like very open with him and very honest with him and everything like that. And they would like go get a beer or meet up like in a clandestine parking lot to chit chat about E.C. Mullendore. Hmm. And the Mullendor family. Okay. So this PI, Gary, sets up this setup in his vehicle where he has a tape recorder in his trunk and a microphone that's like fitted up in the dash of the car. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he would like, he would like call up Chubb and he would like, he'd be like, hey, Chubb, do you want to meet for beers? Or whatever. And Chubb's like, duh, bet. (laughs) Right? So they meet up for beers. And then Gary would be like, it's really loud in here. Can we talk in my car? Bada bing, bada boom. He'd flip on the recorder in this little switch underneath the dash. And he he would record all of his conversations with Chubb. Holy crap. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. And he's doing all this on his own. He's not doing this because he was... He's still um, retained by the family. He's doing all this on his own because he was like, I'm 99% sure this wasn't a mob hit. Yeah. You know, I think this guy's friend killed him. Yeah. For nothing. He finally convinces Chubb to talk about the actual case and what happened that night. Right? And Chubb would give like little, little tidbits and like but still assert that other people were responsible for this death. These two random characters. Okay? Okay. Over the span of 40 years. No. 40. No. Four zero. <laughs> Damn. 40 years. Gary and Chubb maintain this relationship of getting together, like, every once in a while, meeting for beers, meeting for coffee, whatever, chit-chat, And eventually, literal eventually, heavy emphasis on eventually. 40 years. (laughs) Shit. Chubb was like, yeah, it was me. (gasps) No. (laughs) 
Shut just up. one day was like, uh-huh. okay, fine. He was like, yeah, you got me. It was me. And it, but it was in self-defense because I loved him. He was my friend. Like I loved this family. They were, they were good to me. It was in self-defense. So here's what happened. Allegedly. Holy f- Okay. Go. I'm ready for this. <laughs> what? Chubb, because of his proximity to E.C. Mullendore, got roped into serving divorce papers by um, Linda's attorney. Linda and Linda's attorney. Gets roped into serving divorce papers to E.C. Mullendore. Mullendore flies into a drunken rage... Chubb defended himself from Mullendore and wound up shooting his boss and his friend. Okay. Chubb then enlists the help of one of his own family members to help stage the scene, which included shooting Chubb in the shoulder. Can you imagine if I called you and I was like, I just shot somebody in self-defense but I need you to come over here and shoot me. <laughs> I would have been like, no. <laughs> what? The no. Fuck, man. Okay. This is all disclosed in 2010, which is quite literally 40 years after the murder. Holy hell. And Chubb dies later that year. <gasps> yeah. So he, he was never adjudicated. This case was never tried. It was never officially solved. Was he dying? Probably. And he probably unburdened himself. Oh, my gosh. Right. But just enough to still make him sound like a... Yeah. Yeah. Innocent-ish. And I guess it's completely possible. I mean, we'll never know. But um, it was just interesting that, like, 40 years... 40. I don't care about anything enough to be committed to it for 40 years. (laughs) Right? I don't. (laughs) Can you imagine still calling someone that you've known from 1970 to 2010 mm-hmm. and still calling him and being like, like, I know this dude is involved in this murder, but still being like, hey, man, you want to go have beer? You want to go get a coffee? You want to go yeah. meet up in a parking lot so I can record you for a little bit? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's either the best hyperfixation. Or mm-hmm. hyperfixation in the way that we know it, where it's good for a few months and then we we lose interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was quite literally obsessed with this case. Yeah, obsessed with this case. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, it, it's t- totally random, totally random, and in theory, it's solved. But this is all hearsay because Gary writes a book. That has all of this information in it. But it's not official court record. It's not um, police investigation work. It's all from a PI Mm -hmm. that did this investigation over 40 years and just kept hounding this guy. And old Chubb was like, yep, it was me. Oh, my God. And then he has the nerve to die. (laughs) And then he has the nerve to die. Damn. Yeah. So the Mullendore family still owns that ranch. It's smaller now than it was at that time, but it's still one of the largest ranches in Oklahoma that is operational today. That's insane. The Bellcross Ranch. That's insane. Yeah. So, like, 
I think it's really interesting that at the same time that we were talking about the bomber of Muskogee. Uh, yes. The bomber so, of Muskogee. Uh-huh. Like, that's the same time frame. And we're talking about mob ties God. in Osage County on a ranch. Yeah. In a cattle. Yeah. You know, a cattle, cattle operation. Ranch. I'm just kind of like. That's. The fuck? It was the thing to do back then, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. So I have a feeling there may be a lot more um uh, cattle operations and stuff with Maybe. mob ties. Ooh. It's not just construction anymore. It's now Maybe. cattle ranches. Maybe. Anyway, I just thought it was really interesting. Oh my god, that was I um I didn't see that last part coming where Mm-mm. he just said, yeah, it's me. Mm-hmm. You got me. You got me, bro. It was me. I confess. And I called my brother, cousin, or whatever to come over and help. Oh, my know. God. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, Lord, that was a good one, Shan. Um, but the whole, so what, I mean, does it say anything about um, the wife? Like She just kind of lived lived out her life and... With her yeah. kids, I think, in Tulsa. Nice. And just kind of moved on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And that's the parents took back over the, the ranch operation after he died. Yeah. So. Dang. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was a good one, Shan. Thanks, Shy. Thanks, Shan. If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at You're Doing Fine OK Pod. That's you are underscore doing underscore fine underscore OK underscore pod.